Well, good morning, New Hope. It's good to see you. Some of you are looking much more tan than when I saw you last. It's great. You all have a good holiday? Good break? I don't know about you, but how many found that for them, 2014 was the fastest year ever? It was ridiculous. It just started, and it was Christmas. And I think a lot of people felt the same. This morning, though, I I want to talk about the new year and your future. Because you know the good thing is? Your past is your past, but God has your future in his hand. And that's very comforting. Because at the beginning of the year, some started with a great sense of intrepidation. What's going to happen? Am I going to have a job? What's going to happen about that issue or this person? And there's a sense of foreboding that comes with that. Actually, speaking about foe and phobias, I spent a bit of the week looking up some phobias. Now, Iraqi butria phobia for five points. You got that written down? No looking up on the smartphones. What is that? Who said that? What? Spiderweb is close. It's actually the fear of peanut butter sticking to your, the roof of your mouth. <laughs> That's one phobia that some people have, buzz off like. Lochiophobia. Any ideas what that is? Lochiophobia. Any wild stabs? Afraid of being locked in. No, that's no, close. Now, it's the fear of childbirth. And if you are a man, you probably haven't had that. But uh, for the women, you'll certainly have had that. One that relates to change, though, is tropiophobia. Unusual name, mate, tropiophobia. And that is the fear of change. The sense of, I don't want things to change. I just want things to stay as they are. Or I'm scared of change. And that affects a lot of people. And I want to talk to you today about change. Because either right now, you're in a period of calm and things are relatively stable, or you're going through some change. Or if you're not, if you're in calm, get ready because you're about to experience some change. I guarantee you it's coming up this year. Now, some change we love. Oh, I'd love a change, right? Yeah, oh, I just love to do something different. Other changes we're not so keen on. Let me give you one. When somebody I love passes away, I'm not keen on that change, and probably either are you. There are many changes that can come into your life and my life that we don't like. And what we tend to do is when they come, we resent them, and we resist them, and sometimes we even run from change, because we don't want to deal with it. So how do you deal with the Fear of change. How are you going to handle the stress of change in 2015? And I thought it would be a good point to look at this before we get started in the new year. There are three things that can grab our attention when it comes to change that will bring anxiety into our lives. I want to look at what those three major things are first and then look at how we give an antidote to those. What God, how God can help us through the three things that you will feel this year. Number one is you'll have a sense that everything is moving faster. The pace of life is speeding up. And technology has a part to play in that. In fact, technology never slowed anything down except maybe the death process. Now it takes longer to die. But everything else is speeding up. I read even this week about King George in England. 
who was writing in his leisurely palace in, um, Ju- on July 4th, 1776. And you know what he was saying? Nothing much is happening today. <laughs> well, for those of you who study history know, well, actually, his troops were getting a whooping over in America at that stage and the Declaration of Independence, the, the, the Collies were in full rebellion. Today, King George would have heard instantly on Fox News or CNN or ABC and everybody else will be aware of what's going on very, very quickly. Now, I don't know whether you've noticed, when you take a walk around your neighborhood, something you probably don't do very often, you probably drive. But when you walk, how many of you notice far more things than you ever do when you drive by? Huh? Isn't that, what? Where'd that come from? I've never seen that before. And that's a principle in life. When, you, when the pace of your life is so fast, Life becomes a blur, and it's hard to focus. And things often, you'll, um, you'll miss things, and you'll drop things. Sometimes you have to slow down a little so you can be more effective. Less haste, more speed. Number two, every decision, have you noticed, is getting more complicated. My wife would like two choices, this or that. But trouble is, when you go to supermarkets in California, there's like 67 varieties of a particular product. It's ridiculous. Choice. Even simple decisions are complicated. We're swimming in a world of multi-choice. You know, you go to Trade Me or you go to Amazon or eBay or or Book Depository. There's just options galore. For example, a Coca-Cola company have committed, it's the world's largest beverage firm, have committed to consumers and shareholders that it will produce 1,000 varieties of Coca-Cola, including peppermint Coke, Coca-Cola with mango, Coca-Cola fudge, birthday Coke, Coca-Colada, and many other varieties. Choice. How about insurances? Ever tried to figure out, well, what about simple mobile phone, simple mobile phone plans, right? Optimizing that one. They make it so difficult to compare so you can't leverage one against the other. Or how about power company options? Should I choose this company with this, a combination of gas and electricity, or that one, just the gas? Options, options. So why is life complicated? Because there are a plethora of choices. The third thing that we're seeing that causes stress, and not only is every decision getting more complicated, but every value that we hold dear, every value, let me say that again, every value is being challenged. Right is being called wrong. And wrong is being called right. Standing up for what's right seems to be wrong. And on the other hand, anything goes. Right? Yeah, right. I love that. Somebody's awake. And you need to respond to that. Not just, oh, yeah. It isn't. You know. Now, I think just looking across it, we're pretty, yeah, I think that'll go over the head. So, I'm just saying that in some countries, what they are legalizing today would turn our grandmother's hair. It turns my hair purple. Legalizing I-N-C-E-S-T. It's insanity. And that's happening. And that's supposed to be now legally right in more countries. Wait till it comes here. And if you don't stand up and say something, it will be here just like it is in other. Just Google it. You'll find it. Uh, like um, children, P-O-R-N, in J-A-P-A-N. G- 
Google it, what's happening this week in Japan, legal. Are you crazy? So anything, uh, say anything against other religions, uh, you know, especially um, uh, radical Islam, you're in serious trouble. However, Christianity is under attack like never before. I've just been reading a number of um, articles, a couple up here. Christians be attacked. Eighty percent of all religious acts uh, discrimination are directed against Christians. Eighty percent. Okay. Seventy million martyrs have been martyred for Christ. Next one there. There they are. Okay. And this is not by some Christian organization. This is a secular organization that's reporting this. More Christians have been killed in the 20th century than in all previous centuries combined. And it's happening under our nose. When children are... I'm obviously being discreet. It's insane. There are people today that don't even believe, can you believe this, that there's such a thing as right and wrong. They don't, you know... And whenever I hear somebody say, of course, there are no absolutes, I want to say to them, of course, are you absolutely certain about that? Because that sounds like an absolute to me. Every value we've had is being challenged by some group in some way. How are we supposed to live as Christians in that environment? With life getting faster and more frenetic and more complicated and all the values that families have held and society together are now thrown out the window for anything goes. In France, they're looking at the concept of, uh, some of you may know, thruples. Well, it's not couples, it's thruples. Like limited-term partnerships. Insane. How do you bring a kid up or a family up in that environment? And Alvin Toffler, who wrote the book Future Shock, says, when people go through periods of rapid change, they need what he calls islands of stability. Something that holds firm in the hurricanes of change. Things that don't change in your life. And God made human beings to be very adaptable and flexible. To have enormous amounts of stress and uncertainty. But when everything comes unglued, and often I've found in my life, when one thing comes unglued, often there's ripple effects in number two and number three and number four fall. It's like chess. You make one bad move in chess, and all of a sudden there's six more that follow before, shortly before your death. So you've got to be careful, and they're often linked. The hurricanes of change come through your life, but you need to have something in your life that you can count on, that does not change, that you can anchor yourself to. Is there anything like that anywhere in the world? Is there? My guess is there are probably some things in your life right now that you thought were pretty stable two or three years ago, but they've already changed. They weren't reliable. So is there anything that ever changes, never changes, never ever changes? Actually, the Bible says there are three things that never change. The first one, and this is so important, no matter what happens to you or to me, the things that I have can be taken away from me, but no matter what happens, this cannot be. That God's love will never change. It'll never, ever, ever change. Malachi 3.6 says here, I, the Lord, do not change. Now, there's a theological term for that. Do you know what it is? It's called immutability. Immutability. It means God does not change. He's always been there. The Bible says it this way. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no shadow of changing with him. He'll always be the same. Why doesn't God change, though? 
because he's perfect. He doesn't have to go, whoops, made a mistake there. You have to adjust that. He doesn't do that. And because God's perfect, he can't get any better or any worse. If you're perfect, there is no reason to change. You don't make mistakes. So God says, I never change. He says this in Jeremiah 31.3. He says this, I have loved you. This is, the, this is a beautiful thing. With an everlasting love. Not a 30-day exchange and return voucher. <laughs> if things don't work out. I have loved you with a permanence like nothing else you've ever known. This is rock solid. It is not short term. It's unchanging. And the Bible uses a beautiful word for that. It's eternal or everlasting. Because you were made to be loved by God. So God's love for you is unchanging. The Bible says God never gets a moody day. He doesn't wake up on the wrong side of bed. He's not grumpy with you. He doesn't have a bad hair day. He actually likes you. And that is such good news. Because his love is consistent. And some of you have been looking for consistent love everywhere. And you've been disappointed. Friend, gently can I say to you, that is the only love you'll ever have that will never let you down. His love is consistent. It's continual. It is everlasting. It's completely different from human love. Because I don't know whether you've noticed, human love can be quite fickle from time to time. We love, and then we're not so sure we love anymore. We're hot, and then we're cold. Anybody ever felt they've been in a relationship or known of a relationship like that, apart from me? Okay, good. The truth is, some days we're mad. Some days we don't want to love anybody. We are grumpy, and we are grouchy, and we're cantankerous. And we take out often our frustration on those who love us the most and those who are closest to us. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we say the harshest things often to the people closest to us? I'll tell you why, because we're human. God, on the other hand, is not like us. And Psalm 119, verse 59, 159 says this Your love never changes. I love that. Circle that. Never changes. You can count on no matter what happens next year in 2015. No matter what happens. His love for you will never change. You can count on him. Now, the point is this. We always get into trouble. Always. Me too. When we doubt God's love. When we doubt it. Always remember, I never need to doubt God's love. Now, there's a lot of things I could be concerned about, and you should be concerned about. But that's not one of them. That is not one of them. No matter how I feel, or what I've done, or what I've thought, God's love is based on his character. Romans 8 says this, Nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, now or further in the year, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing, that is categorically nothing, can get between us and God's love. That means that you can go to bed tonight, Confident, absolutely confident that tomorrow morning 
you can get up and God's love for you will never change. And you can anchor your life to that. It will not move. Number two, the second thing that won't change in this year and throughout your entire life that you need to know, that your children need to know, that your grandchildren need to know is that God's word will never change. If you can give them that stability and that conviction, nothing will roll on. God's word will never change. I remember when I first got my first Bible, it was New American Standard, and I whipped it open, and on the very first, there was just, um, like in the introduction, on the front, like two pages, there was this one verse started out, and it was Isaiah uh, 40, verse 8, and there it is there. It says, the grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Forever. I like stuff. When I buy tools, I buy stuff that lasts. I buy one, and it lasts me a long time. I buy German still, because it lasts. And that same approach to life, when it comes to this, the Word of God lasts, but not for just my lifetime, for eternity. It's timeless, and it's enduring and eternal. It never withers, and it's never stale. If you come to the Word and you find for some reason you're not finding it fresh, perhaps the thing that, that is fresh. Maybe my heart has gotten a little cooler. Maybe that's what needs to be worked on there. Because His Word is never out of date. Compare this to human writings. So God's writings, fresh, life-giving, always up to date. Compare this to the latest science textbooks. I've been reading a lot about quantum uh, mechanics and quantum physics recently. And you know what? By the time they write this jolly thing, but three years it takes to write it, by the time they get to it, they're going to rewrite it because they've learned a whole bunch. They, they, they're trying to play catch up with God, discovering what it's all about. What they thought was true at the beginning of the book, by the time they get to the end, huh, they are constantly having to update. And that's the same in technology. That's the same in medicine. And they're going, aha, maybe this is how God did it. So if you build your life on popular human opinion, which is opinions are plenty and they're cheap and everybody's got one. Facts are hard to get and they're expensive and they're anchored in God's word. Now, the Bible says this in Psalm 119, long ago I learned from your statutes that you established them to last forever. Notice that these principles in God's words are not temporary suggestions for a bygone era. Notice that. These are meant to last forever. These are eternal principles. Jesus put it this way. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Whoa. That's amazing. See, God has established certain physical laws, as you and I both know. Kevin discovered one unfortunately this morning, the law of gravity. I can step off a building and I can prove the law of gravity exists. Now, if I try and break it by, you know, I mean, I can't break it, but I'll break myself over the law of gravity if I try and jump off something. In the same way, God has established moral laws for this universe. And God says, there are some parameters which I intend human being to live by. He said, these are the laws I've established. And every time I ignore God's moral or spiritual law, I'm going to hurt myself. 
and they're there for my benefit. For example, he says this. He's, he's very clear. He says, no sex outside of marriage. Do you know he says that in his word? It's very, very clear. If anybody doesn't know where to find that, write me a communication card. Where does it say that? And I'll be glad to send that to you. So you can see what he says. Now that, you know, many of our societies today, and today's ills wouldn't even be here. No STDs, etc., etc. If if we follow God's laws. But God says, I want you to listen and to follow my commands wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. With all of your being. But you know what the most fundamental temptation that comes to you and to me is, don't you? It's the same one back with Adam and Eve. Some people think the problem was the apple on the tree. I think it's the pear on the ground was the problem. And they came to him and they said, this is what, this is what Satan came to him and said this. Did God really say? Did he really say this? Don't eat from that tree. You go read it. Did God really? He's questioning God. This is how the enemy gets in. Here's another basic temptation that you get all the time. And it's a temptation not to just doubt God's love and his word, but to doubt, did God really say don't do that? Did he really say that we all ought to do that? Now, if Satan can get you to do that, you're going to fall for anything. And one of the many variations on that theme of doubting God's word temptation today goes like this. And you're going to hear it, so be careful. Here it is. Well, that's your interpretation. Anybody ever heard that one? Well, that's your interpretation. (laughs) Look, when you go out of this road, maybe not that road, another one down there, and you're going to come to a big red sign and it says, S-T-O-P. How do you interpret that? Stop! Not all slow down. It is stop. Four-wheel stop, i.e. all four-wheel stop. That's what that means. It's clear. Do you know what? When somebody tells you that, it tells me that they've never studied the Bible well. There's a standard, what we call grammatio, um, historical method of studying the scriptures and interpreting how there's a there's a there's like a, a methodology an understanding of how you interpret scriptures you can't just tweak different things that are different scriptures that's not possible if you do that you're doing a violence against what we call exegesis and you're doing what we call insegesis which is reading into the scriptures what you want that's not what the bible is all about there's another version of this it goes like this. Well, I know the Bible says this, but that's those people back in those days. So those rules and regulations for them back there don't apply to me. This is now 2015. Anybody heard that? Yeah, me too. Friends, God does not invent new rules for each generation. His truths are eternal. What was wrong 1,000 years ago is wrong today and will still be wrong 1,000 years in the future. His truth never changes. Right is still right and wrong is still wrong. Truth is eternal. Listen to what Jesus said here in Matthew 5, 24. If anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So if you want stability in your life, you need to build it on God's unchanging truth. Look, management principles will change. Um, the way we approach 
Nearly everything we know will change. But God's truth will not. The secret stabilizer from personal experience, by the way, if you want to keep your life stable in the middle of storms and raise a confidence in your life, is to memorize scripture. There was one passage in my life when even that could possibly go wrong was going wrong at an alarming and an accelerating rate of knots. The thing that held me tight was God's word in my mind and the comfort of his spirit within me to keep me calm in the middle of a storm. So memorize scripture. Why? Because when you need God's word the most, you really have a Bible. When somebody pops one on you, a rather unusual ethical situation at work, you can't just whip out a Bible or something like that. You've got to know in your heart to know what to do. It's kind of like, yeah. So often that's the turning point in my mind when God brings something to my mind. And you and I both don't believe everything we read, uh, we read or watch on TV or listen to on the radio. So why do we watch and read things more often uh, things that we don't believe, why don't we watch things that we don't believe and read things we don't believe and listen to things we don't believe more than something that we do believe? This year, at the beginning of 2015, why don't we increase the quotient of scriptural intake? Take out the old code of unreliable, false, fake, and vain arguments and put in the new applications of God's word which are eternal, will not have to be replaced. Won't need an upgrade. Oops, we forgot that. Now, Jesus had scripture memorized, and you'll read that and see that in his life, because God's word will never change. You better to do that, because you've got it there in your brain forever, in your heart. Three, God's purpose for my life in 2015 will never change. That's the third thing that I can understand and know confidently. That God's purpose for my life will not change. He's not schizophrenic. He doesn't change. 1 Samuel 15, 29. God is not man. He does not change his mind. He doesn't change it. And I'm really, really glad for that verse. Long before you were born and I were born, God planned you. And if you're alive today and you're breathing, God has a purpose for your life. And it has not changed no matter what has happened in your life. The problems in your life never out-trump God's purposes for your life. So the problems in your life don't out-trump. They don't mess it up. Why? Because God can use all things together for good for those who love God. Have you noticed in your life, and I have mine, that my plans sometimes just don't come off. Huh? They have to get changed. Why is that? Well, two reasons. Number one, you or I both can't see the future. We can't. Often we make plans that don't happen because there are circumstances beyond your control and certainly beyond my control. And secondly, we don't sometimes have the power or the resources to pull them off. You may have a great plan, but if you don't have the time or the money or the energy or the intelligence or the opportunity or the contacts... You you can't pull it off. In contrast that with God. God never has to change his plans because he's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He knows what's going to happen. He's all-powerful. He's got the power to do anything that he chooses to do. And so God never has to change his plans. Now, since God said, I made you for purpose, 
And that plan doesn't change. That brings up three very important questions. Here's one. Can I miss God's plan for my life? Can I miss it? Absolutely you can miss it. How? What would it take for me to miss God's optimal plan for my life? Number one is neglect. He tells you something and you completely ignore it. You heard it clearly, but you don't want to do it. Number one. Number two, it could be arrogance. I'm not doing that, God. I'm not doing your plan. I'm doing what I want with my life. Actually, hold on. Whose life? If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't even be breathing now. Or our hearts beating. And three, is disobedience or rebellion. Or, here's a common one, laziness. Oh, that sounds like a lot of hard work. Will you tell me which one of the men of the apostles or any Christian that made their mark that wasn't diligent about working hard? There's no such thing as a lazy disciple. That's the truth. That's absolutely true. If you really capture what Jesus has done for you, it will motivate you forward. It won't be a hard push from the law you ought to. It'll be because you want to. Again, I use illustration. My son has recently acquired a girlfriend. Now, he's all got his all normal job to do. Mow the lawns, trim the edges, do the dishes, da-da-da-da-da-da, do the shop, da-da-da. But all of a sudden, because he's got a girlfriend, it all happens very quickly with a skip. Anything else you want done, Dad? No. He's gone. <laughs> Love motivates. And it's not that they have to drive a stick at it. Not that they ever have. But do you know what I'm saying? Love, genuine love, motivates. We're not talking about legalism here. And you can live your entire life and never fulfill the reason you were actually put on this earth because you've been distracted. You read about that in the parables. And that's a tragedy because God will never force his purpose on you. It's our choice. Where you say, Jesus Christ, I want you to be my Lord and I want to follow your plan and your purpose. And that means checking in with him daily. And you can miss your purpose in life, the very reason for your mate. Now, number two, if I do, can I get back on track after wasting sometimes years of my life? Absolutely you can. Psalm 33 verse 11 says this, his plans, whose plans? His plans endure forever. His purposes last eternally. That means no matter what has happened in your life to date, God's plan and purpose for your life has not changed. So when you say, but you don't know what I got involved in for X number of period of time. Regardless of what's happened in your life up to this point in time, God has not given up on you. His purposes last eternally. The Bible says here, you can make many plans, but it is the Lord's purposes that will prevail. That brings up the third question. What about all those dumb things I've done? What about those stupid decisions, those bad choices, those things I regret? And boy, I've had those. I wish it never happened. The Bible says here, as I alluded to earlier in Romans 8.28, for we know that in all things, God works for those who love him and who are being called according to his purpose. So what that really means, he can take all these broken pieces and he can put them back together so he can, the, the, the Old Testament puts it this way, he makes beauty out of ashes. He can make something beautiful out of my broken pieces. But I want to say this, friends, that verse is not for everybody. That verse is for those who place it all in Christ's hands. 
It's only he that can make things beautiful out of a mess that I make. Think about the biggest disappointments you've ever had. Or the biggest regret. Some of them often come to mind without digging too far. I want you to know that God saw it before it ever even happened. And he can find a way to weave that into his plan and purpose for your good, for your growth, and for his glory. What a God. Only God, even things that seem a backward step, God can use that, a bankruptcy, a divorce. God can use that for those that love him. So God's purpose in your life will never, ever change, no matter what else has gone on, whether it was your fault or whether it was somebody else's. God can use it for good if you give him the pieces. Because, well, you're working on the problem. God's working on you. Working on you. So God can use it for good. So when you think about the future and the changes that are coming in your life in 2015, and you're not quite sure whether you can handle it, whether it's a financial thing or whatever it is, regardless of what it is that's got you nervous this morning, why don't you do what David did in this verse? Psalm 56. It says, I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? Why? Tell me. Why should I be afraid? Because I trust in God. Then he says this. God is our refuge and strength. A tested help. In other words, he's proven reliable in times of trouble. So we need not even fear, even if the world blows up and the mountains crumble into the sea. We'll just move into that next dimension called heaven. I don't know what 2015 holds for you or the future, and neither do you. But I do know three things. If I build my life on these three unchangeable facts, I will be able to withstand enormous stress and pressure. I know that God will never stop loving me, even when I feel unlovable. Even when I feel unlovable, he'll never stop loving me. I know that God's word always instructs me in the right thing to do. It may not make sense. It may seem totally unreasonable. It may seem very unpopular, not what everybody else is doing. It may seem out of date and antiquated, but it's always the right thing Because what was wrong a thousand years ago is wrong today and will still be wrong in a thousand years. God will only ever tell you the truth. So God will never stop loving me. God's word is always the right thing to do. And God's purpose is always out-trumping my problems. Anytime I start to doubt these three things, these three cardinal truths, anytime I start doubting God's love, what do I do? I disobey him. Start disobeying him. When I start... Um, death in God's word, I tend to do my own thing and just drift off. When any time I start doubting that God has a purpose for my life, I say this, why is all this happening to me? And then I arrange a pity party and I invite everybody to come. And I start doubting that God is really in control. Don't let that one get in your head. There's a, vice, uh, a verse, a vice, a verse, definitely a verse, not a vice, in the Bible that says this, Those that trust in the Lord will be like Mount Zion, unmoved by any circumstance. You're like a mountain, rock solid. So if you were to face the future, 
confidently. It's as simple as ABC. And with this, we'll wrap it up. A, you need to accept God's love. B, you need to believe God's word. And C, you need to commit to God's purposes in your life as you're moving in. That's it. Commit to these three for the new year. Do these three things and you know, have no need to fear. Will you join me in prayer in your heart right now? Dear God, I realize that there are many things in our lives that are beyond our control. And you know that sometimes we all have difficulty adjusting to all the challenges around us. This morning, we need your stability in our life. Jesus Christ, we want to start focusing on the things that will never change. Thank you that you'll never stop loving me. Thank you so much no greater gift. Today I accept your love through Jesus Christ. Thank you for your unchanging word which seems to get to the heart of the issue deep inside me. Help me to learn it, to memorize it, but most of all to live it out day by day. Thank you for making me for a purpose. And in 2015, at the very get-go, it is my prayer that at the end of the year, I will know you better and your plan for my life. Father, I ask you to forgive the years that I have wasted today I want to get back on track with you. I open my life up to you, dear Lord. Would you help me with my insecurities and let them go to you right now? Come in and can take control. Today, if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, say that right now. Just say in your mind, Jesus Christ, as much as I know how, I ask you to come into my life and change me. Remove that fear and insecurity and in its place put a confident hope that's anchored in you and your word. In your powerful name I pray. Amen. Today if you'd like some prayer I'll be down the back my wife Kimberly to just pray if there's anything you'd like specific prayer for if you've got a new challenge coming up we'd like to pray for you today don't write on the communication card we want to do something about it we want to pray for you right then and then if today some of you have given your life to Christ for the very first time I'd love you to let me know about that that you do need to put in the communication card and I'd love to send you a packet of information that will help you on your journey God bless you Thank you for bringing the word today, Pastor Ian.